Well, praise the Lord, church. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. I can always tell, like, how strong our worship is just by looking at the sweat on top of Zach's head. I can always tell. I was like, this is a good service. I see all that sweat on top of his head, whether he's behind a guitar or he's in the drum cage. But God is faithful. And uh, I, uh, I want you to know today's message, I preached it last night, and... Uh, it has the potential, it has the potential to give you a new perspective of your soul, a new perspective of how important it is to take care of your soul. It may be the greatest message you've ever heard in your whole life. I hope you came to church with an open heart. You know, God's not done with you yet. So many times we go to church and we think this would be a great message for someone else to hear. Maybe God wants to speak to you. Maybe the Lord wants to do a mighty thing inside of your heart. Maybe he wants to change your heart, transform you. Maybe he wants to take you out of your comfort zone. And maybe he wants to set your feet on a rock. Maybe he wants you to grow deeper in in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe he wants that to happen. So just be open to God and whatever he wants. God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Holy, holy, holy are you, almighty God. Jesus, we worship you. You are the risen one, the king of kings, the bright and morning star, the alpha and the omega, the one who is and is to come, the Messiah, the anointed one, the wonderful counselor, mighty God, the great I am. Jesus, we worship you. You're the answer to all of our problems, and we turn to you. God, I want to lift up some prayers, some requests in this church, God. I want to pray for that person who's struggling with depression. I pray that you meet them in that dark place, and you set them free, Lord. I want to pray for that couple that's struggling in their marriage, God. I pray that you work in their marriage, God, and maybe it's been a long time since they've been intimate, Lord, and I pray that you just work in each of their hearts, draw them closer to you. I want to pray for that person who's looking for a job. I pray, God, that you help them and you give them a job, but not just any job, a job from your hand, God. I pray for that person who's struggling with their finances. I pray, Lord, that they see you as the God who provides. Pray for that person who's sick, who needs a touch from the great physician. Jesus, heal them, Lord. Deliver them. I pray for that person who's in the hospital even right now and watching this service online. I pray that you watch over, watch over them. I pray that you touch them, God. I pray for those senior adults, Lord, that are in that, that community that are watching the service at 11 o'clock. Would you be with them, God? continue to minister to their hearts, God. Lord, I I lift up all of our prayer requests to you. We need you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. You are our hope. You're our living hope. And we turn to you with unwavering faith, faith like Abraham, who was considered righteous because he believed. So we turn to you, God, even in spite of our circumstances. We thank you for carrying us throughout the week. Thank you for the highs and lows of the week, Lord. Thank you for being with us 
every day of the week. Thank you, God. Thank you for the breath in our lungs. We are your living souls. Thank you. Would you just now anoint this message, God? I thank you for your presence. You've already been here, Lord. And now I pray, God, that you anoint this message. Your word is already anointed. Your word is our living hope. It's sharper than any two-inched sword. So I pray, God, that your word falls on good ground. I pray that it, it bears much fruit. I pray that it penetrates down to our soul, down to the marrow of our soul. I pray, God, that you go there. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your presence, Jesus. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray all this. Amen. Amen. Well, God is good. God is good. Before you sit down, just turn to someone and, and just tell them Jesus loves you. Can you do that? Tell them Jesus loves you. It's all about Jesus, guys. Oh, it's good to be at church. Anybody loving this rain? Anybody? I'm loving this rain. You know, I, I can't imagine. Um, I preached in Oregon um, a few months ago, and, uh, and everything's green there. But I just know with rain and green, there's like major bugs that you just never knew existed. <laughs> That's what I've discovered. Uh, you know what, guys? I didn't pray for our students. Can I, can I, I should pray for our students. Do you mind us praying here? Um, Lord, I pray that you are with our high school students who are at camp right now in Divide, Colorado. Would you speak to them, Lord? Give them a word. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. You know, the, the older you get, the more you become aware of how fast life goes and how quick the years go. So uh, it's, uh, I, I know these students who are in the mountains, uh, they're going to be sitting where you're at one day, and they're going to have uh, careers and jobs and families, and um, our prayer is that uh, our kids, um, everyone walks with Jesus for life, you know, during the highs and lows of life. Um, I want you to be aware, it's so cool, you know, last weekend we started a, a new Digit, well, I want to say it's like a watch party campus, but InnoBage. InnoBage is a senior adult uh, community. It's right behind Super Target, Barnes and Nobles on 120th in Washington. And we have uh, Kathy, Kathy uh, uh, one, of our, one of our members, Kathy, she, she lives there. And she's been having a Bible study there, and it's been thriving. She has about 20 senior adults that are attending this Bible study every Week, it's so cool, um, and I have a heart for this. Uh, you know, we do a lot of community partnerships, as you guys know that a lot. But this is a particular demographic, a particular group that is kind of forgotten. You know, they 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 live there and and uh, and and they're not real mobile and and they're not real tech savvy either. So what we're doing is at eleven o'clock every Sunday, we now have a watch party for them. It's in their theater room, and we send. Thorn Creekers to that place. They're wearing name badges and everything like that, and we're taking Thorn Creek merch, and we're doing the whole service with them right there. So they attended last weekend for the first time, and I, I heard they were super engaged in the worship service. We, we said welcome to them, and, and they applauded, and I said, turn to someone and tell them this, and they did that. And uh, in fact, one of the gals, there were a total of nine 
people that attended it's a start guys <laughs> this church started with three people in my living room come on now <laughs> they had nine people and one of the senior adults had not been in church in over 10 years and was was there at church isn't that beautiful yeah put your hands together that's worth applauding praise the lord god is god is at work um so please keep them in prayer and if you want to be part of that ministry you can uh, let us know also also want to let you know something else before we jump into the message. Why not weekend? Wow, this is so exciting, guys. We did this a number of years ago. What's why not weekend? Um, as a pastor, uh, one of my responsibilities is, you know, certainly preaching the whole counsel of God's word. It's so important for us to understand God's word and its context and how it applies to our life. And, and the other thing is to help you um, position yourself for the full blessings of God. Why Not Weekend is uh, K-N-O-T, just what you might think. It's for people who need to tie the knot. They need to get married. So this is for people who maybe are in a relationship and maybe they're living together or maybe they're playing house or maybe they've been together for a long time and they're not married. This is your opportunity. This is your opportunity. We did this a number of years ago. We had seven couples get married. It was a beautiful time of celebration. So if you've been putting off marriage, wow. This is like, this is like T-ball for you guys. This is right, a right on your plate, right in front of you. God wants you to tie the knot. If you love him, if you love her, if you want to live a life pleasing to God in every corner of your life, this is your next step. So I know it takes courage, but we're going we're gonna to decorate this place. It's going to feel like a wedding room, just so you know. It's going to be an exciting, exciting day, and we want to help you in your faith journey, help you in your relationships. So you can gra grab your phone and take a picture of that QR code and let us know you are interested. If you're sitting by someone who should be tying the knot and they're not, you take out your phone and do it. I'm just going to put you on there. <laughs> but uh, we want you, we want to encourage you to do that. And it's going to be a lot of fun, a great, great, great time of celebration. Um, today's message is I need a vacation. And that's why I'm wearing my Hawaiian shirt. This is a shirt that I wear when I preached in Oahu. But, um, uh, you know, one of the things when I wear a shirt like this, because I'm dark chocolate, people think, oh, he must be Samoan or something like that. It's really, and I, I can go to different places of the world. You white people have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> I go to the beach and I look for a tree. <laughs> That's what I do. But, uh, but uh, it, it, you know, I, anybody need a vacation? Anybody need a vacation? Especially on a rainy day like this. Doesn't it sound good just to go out on a beach? I, I love vacations, and I especially love how it helps our families. Our family's very involved in ministry, my wife Grace and my kids, and it's really a time for us to come together, especially because we, all we do is we give. That's what we do. Every week we're giving, so it's really cool. But I think vacations are good for families. I'm an advocate for it. Um, I don't think you should ever take a vacation from God. I don't think you should ever take a vacation from church, wherever we go. And whether, whatever it is, we're always looking for a church. We're always, I love seeing the body of Christ globally, and it's, I'm, just a, I'm just a student of that, but I, I love it. I think it's a good thing. Um, I, incidentally, you know you can't take a break from yourself. You can't take, take a vacation from yourself. You know, if you go, go to a beach, you're, you're still, you're, you can't escape yourself. Um, we're going to talk about what God wants to do inside of you. I don't know what your vacations think, uh, what you envision as a good vacation, but 
But here's a good picture of my vacation right here. This is what I like right there. Anybody with me? Just uh, notice the shade. I want you to notice that. <laughs> that. That's a good vacation for me, just hearing the water and me going snorkeling and looking for a barracuda or something crazy. I, want to, I like that element of danger, you know, adventure. Uh, but, but there's something about just going to that place. There's something about that, and it's. Uh, I feel like next week nobody's going to be at church. Everyone's. I'm telling everyone to go on a vacation or something like that. But we might go on a vacation because we're tired, or exhausted, feeling you know just worn out, and maybe just burning the candles on both ends, all that stuff. And those are all viable reasons to go on vacations. Um, but uh, I want to share with you something. This is an ultimate vacation you can take, and it, it involves your soul. Genesis chapter two, verse seven says this, then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed, isn't that beautiful? I just had this vision of into his nostrils, the breath of life. And man became a living, what church? A living person. Other versions say a living being. You know what that word, whether it's person or being, the literal interpretation of that word is soul. Soul. So you are a soul. Now people see your body. There's the body and there's the spirit and, and there's the soul. Everybody sees the body and whether whatever we wear or whatever it might be and we, we take notice of that and working out, not working out, whatever it is. We're very conscious of our body. Certain times of the day, we're like, okay, what's for lunch? What's for dinner? What's for breakfast? And we're very conscious of that. But there is a soul inside of you. There's a soul inside of you. Have you ever seen someone lose their soul? I'm speaking of literally. As a pastor, I've been in the hospital room with births, the time of celebration, and I'm also at the times of of death. And when you see a soul leave a body, all of a sudden, it's like life has left their body. And you look at their body, and it's like, that's not them anymore. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You've seen that? You look at them, and you're like, okay, I, well, maybe they're in the casket or whatever it is. And, and you're like, you know, they're not there anymore. They're not there anymore. That's such a shell. Their soul has left. Your soul belongs to God. Scripture says all souls belong to me. Your soul belongs to God. You are a living soul. And Scripture teaches us God wants us to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. What does that mean? We invest a lot in our physical life, and our spirit is is part of that. But what does it look like to invest in our soul? And, and our soul really is impacted, maybe with, especially when we're tired or worn out. Uh, there's a famous story in the Bible in the Old Testament involving a guy named Elijah, a great prophet. And you read about him in 1 Kings chapter 18. We're going to work up to a passage in Matthew, but I want to share this before I jump into Matthew. Uh, Elijah was an incredible prophet. In chapter 18, he goes to battle with this evil king, and he defeats 850 Prophet, prophets, you can read about it in First Kings chapter 18. And after this incredible battle, this, uh, uh, this 
victory that he experiences on Mount Carmel. Afterwards, he's tired. His soul is worn out. And you just flip the page and you go to 1 Kings chapter 19. And he gets this email <laughs> from this woman named Jezebel. And it messes with his head. It messes with his heart. It messes with his mind. And he runs. And you wonder, is this the same guy of chapter 18? And you see this great prophet, Elijah, take off. And he goes to this dark place. And he says stupid things like, you know what, God, why don't you just kill me now? Have you been there before? Have you ever said things that are just... Just stupid. Why don't you just, you, know, you just say foolish things. Have you been there before? And, and what God does is, is he says, okay, uh, he sends an angel, and then he says, you need to eat, and you need to rest. Talk about prescription. Some of you, you just need to eat, and you need to, you need to, you need to rest. <laughs> Have you ever talked to someone, and you're like, you hear them say foolish things, and you're like, would you just please eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? <laughs> Let's talk after you eat a little bit. Can you? Would you just go take a nap, and I'll talk to you afterwards. Let's not get into an argument right now. It's late. It's 1 in the morning. Let's talk tomorrow. It'll be a much more productive conversation, more loving conversation. Sometimes you just need to eat or you need to rest. And whatever this food was that, that God, the angel, gave Elijah was pretty powerful food because it sustained him for 40 days. That's crazy. For 40 days, he was good to go. And then eventually, the Lord met with him. And if you read the story, there was an earthquake. There was a windstorm. There was a fire. And he wasn't in any of that. But there was a still, small voice. And the Lord spoke to him there. See, God touched his soul. You came to church today, and some of you have neglected your soul. And the Lord wants you to spend time with him. He wants to nourish your soul. You hear that? He wants to nourish your soul. Um, I want to share another story with you guys before we jump into Matthew chapter 11. Um, it's found in a, in a book called um, um, Soul Keeper, and it's written by John Ortberg. And it's, uh, it starts off with a story about this old man. And he lives high up in the Alps. And his job is to take care of a stream. And this stream is fed by natural fountains. And this stream that he takes care of at the, at the top of the mountain eventually goes down. His job is to remove debris, dead branches, any kind of pollution from the top of the stream and make sure it's clear and make sure it just stays clean. Well, when, it, when, the, when you follow that stream all the way down the mountain, it goes to this place where people enjoy at the bottom of the stream. And it's crystal clear waters. You can see the sand and the rocks on the bottom of the stream. You can see the trout swimming around. There's geese that fly in that love and they bathe there and ducks and and people are there and children are laughing and everybody's enjoying and there's picnics around this stream and there's life around this stream and one day the city council got together and they said what's this line item we have here in the city 
Who's this guy? He was unseen, unnoticed. And they said, we don't need this line item. And they crossed it out of their budget. And he no longer was taking care of the stream on the top of the mountain. Little by little, at the bottom of the stream, the water became murky. There was residue that was starting to build up. It was no longer running after a while. It became stagnant. There was a stench. People who did swim there were getting sick. And little by little, they stopped hanging around that stream. There used to be laughter, and now there's silence. The swans eventually left, and the ducks eventually left, and eventually it just became a still stagnant, brackish pond. And then the city got back together and said, you know what, I think that guy that we let go of is pretty important. Let's hire him back. And they hired him back, and he went back, the unnoticed, unseen person, old man, went back to cleaning the pond or the stream at the top where the springs fed. And little by little, the stream became clear again. Little by little, people started coming back, and the swans came back, and the fish were seen again, and there was laughter again. There was life again in the village because of what this unseen old man was doing at the top. Now, here's the moral of the story. The stream is your soul, and you are the keeper of your soul. You are the keeper of your stream. You hear that? So when you spend time with God, and you spend time in God's word, and it's so important to do that, this is better than listening to podcasts. This is better than watching YouTube videos of your favorite pastor or your favorite teacher or TED Talks or whatever. You spend time in God's word, and you learn to hear God's voice yourself. And you let God speak to you. You're like that old man on the top of the mountain, taking care of your soul. Nobody sees you spending time reading God's word in your car. Nobody sees you spending reading God's word in your basement. Nobody sees you. You're doing that, but you're taking care of your, your stream. And when that happens, check it out. The people downstream benefit from what you were doing upstream. All of a sudden, you're a better husband, wife, man, woman. All of a sudden, people you work with enjoy working with you more. All of a sudden, you speak words of kindness, and there's laughter in your life. There's vitality in your life, and it's because you're spending time with Jesus. You're spending time in God's word and God's word is ministering to your soul. You guys hear that? Uh, this is so important, guys. I'm just going to tell you. Everything starts with your soul. Everything starts with your soul. Dallas Willard said this. Our soul is like a stream of water which gives strength, direction, and harmony to every other area of our life. The soul is everything. The soul is everything. We rarely talk to each other about our souls. Rarely do we say, hey, man, how's your soul doing? That's intimacy right there. 
We might say, how are you doing? Or how's work? How are the kids? How's life? Whatever. But rarely do we have soul talk. <laughs> because now you're getting to the top of the stream. You're getting to the fountain of life right there. Are you cleaning out the branches? Are you taking care of the dead wood? Are you, ta are you, are you taking care of all the pollution? Are, how's that coming along? Dallas Willard also said this, if your soul is healthy, no external circumstance can destroy your life. Isn't that good? If your soul is unhealthy, no external circumstance can redeem your life. Have you seen it before? As a pastor um, for many years now, I'll tell you what, I've seen it. I've seen the couple who leads a marriage small group. And I've seen the husband get into things that he shouldn't get into in the privacy of his life. His wife doesn't even know about it. I've seen the wife have an online relationship with an old high school friend and nobody knows about it. Nobody knows about it. And little by little, they stop taking care of their soul. And today, they're no longer living together. And they're living in different states. It's a common tale. It's really common. Um, I've seen that, that, that high school student come back from a camp and say, hey, I feel like God's calling me to youth ministry. I'm so excited. And it's just lit up. And then all of a sudden they say, hey, you know, I think I'm going to start playing some video games. And then they get into some games that they shouldn't get into and some dark games, spiritually dark games. And they're having online, you know, competition with other friends who are online. And, and all of a sudden that experience in that subculture starts to shape their mind and they stop taking care of their soul. And instead they're believing lies. And then one day they say, I don't know if there is a God. And they stop going to church. I've seen that husband do the same thing. I've seen a common tale. We started together at church, husband and wife. During the dating days, maybe, they get married. And then one day the husband says, you know what? I worship God my way. God and I have a unique relationship, and I work so hard. This is my day off. You know what, baby? You go to church, and I'm going to stay home. And little by little, they start drifting. Haven't you seen any of these? Or how about pastors, guys? How many pastors have you seen just fall? And then their story is all over the Internet or on Netflix or whatever it is, and it just breaks my heart because I know, I know the devil is real, and he's a father of lies. And he wants to take down men and women and certainly pastors. Big targets. Big targets. I would not have chosen this occupation myself if God didn't call me to do it. It all starts with your soul. So you better believe taking care of your soul is the greatest job you have. It's the greatest job you have, allowing God to have his way in your heart. The moment you think, I know enough, I don't need anything else, I don't need to change, I'm a little better than those around me, you start to neglect your soul. Let's jump into it. Matthew chapter 11. 
Jesus said, come to me. Oh, you know what, guys? Let's just read this out loud because it's such a cool word. Come to me, all you who are, and I will give you, isn't that good? Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you. Come on, keep going. And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find, incidentally, that word learn means learn. <laughs> it means you don't know. It means you don't know. And incidentally, this is not a word that says learn from me and in one year you'll get it. Or in five years you'll get it. Or in 20 years and you won't need. No, 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 no. We're called to be a living and holy sacrifice. Acceptable and pleasing to God. It doesn't stop. And verse 30 says, for my, let's keep going, for my yoke, my burden is light. It's an invitation by Jesus. It's an incredible invitation. And he says, come to me. Come to me. There's this invitation for him to take care of your soul. I'm going to read the message version. This is Eugene Peterson. He says it like this. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Isn't that good? Like a real vacation. <laughs> you don't need a beach. You don't need that. Walk with me and work with me. I love that. That's like a whole sermon right there. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Isn't that good? Some of you need to be revived by God's love. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Isn't that beautiful? Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Freely and lightly. It's like the Denver Nuggets offense right now. They're just, they're so good right now. I think Jokic is just redefining the big man. It's just so cool. What is the soul? There's my Denver Nuggets plug, plug right there, guys. I'm, I'm an underdog guy. Just know that. I, I love the underdog, so that's why it comes out. I'm sorry. Uh, soul. Uh, it, it, uh, the literal definition for soul is this, a breathing creature. That's literally the definition. If you look at the Hebrew language, it means a breathing creature or that which has air. And it makes sense, doesn't it? As long as you have air, your soul exists in this world. And scripture says soul is going to live forever. And scripture talks about heaven and scripture talks about hell in one of those two places. But it's a breathing creature. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And Jesus unpacks our life. Like what does it mean to love God? It's not only a, a cognitive decision. It's a decision of the will. It's a decision of our passions, of our desires. It's a decision of our heart, the central place of our desires. It's a decision of our, of our soul. Just saying, I'm going to take care of my soul like that old man on the top of that mountain. I'm going to be so passionate. Like 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 says, make sure your soul is blameless before God. There's this desire of, I want to make sure there's nothing in my stream 
that will keep it from running. I want to be a blessing to others. You see, there's an outer life and there's an inner life. The outer life is what's visible to others. I mean, just look at the person sitting by you. You can look at them up and down and you can see what shirt they're wearing or pants or dress or whatever it is. You can see what they're wearing. That's the outer life. This is the public side of our life. These are our accomplishments. This is our work. This is what people see us do. This is the place where we live or drive or whatever it is. That's the outside, your reputation, your work. The inner life is different. The inner life is invisible to others. The inner life is a place where fears live and it's a place where you have these personal battles that you don't talk about. The inner life is a place where you have hopes. It's a place where you have wishes. It's the place where you have secret thoughts. Everything flows from the soul. So if you want to know where someone's soul is at, all you've got to do is listen to the words that come out of their mouth. All you have to see is the decisions they're making outwardly, and that tells you where their soul is at. Some of you, I know you've been working on your soul because some of you are coming to church every single weekend. And if we look at your life a few years ago, you never did that. Praise the Lord. That's worth, that's worth getting excited and applauding over because that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Some of you are like, you have no idea how far I've come. <laughs> and some of you, you're walking on your own faith now. You were fortunate enough to live in a Christian home, but today Jesus is your Lord and your Savior and your God, and you're doing your best to raise your family, pointing to Jesus to live a God-honoring life. Praise the Lord. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. I can't tell you how many times people have told me, you know what, I'm coming to this church, and I never was excited about church until I started coming here. I can't tell you how many Christians have told me, I've been to a lot of churches, but this church right here, I have grown closer to God, and I know God's word more because of this church. Well, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I love it when we kick the devil in the teeth. I love it when we kick the devil in the teeth, and we start growing because we want to. Um, there, there's a cost for the soul. Jesus said this, Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. So there's an invitation to die. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said the invitation of Jesus is to bid him, to bid you to come and die. And think about that a little bit. Think about that. <coughs> come and die. Verse 25, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And here comes the mic drop verse here, guys, verse 26. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but what church, but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Anything. That's powerful, isn't it? This passage that Jesus is, I mean, that Jesus is saying, the, the original language here, the message of it is not about a destination. Anybody ever been lost before? You know, you take down the, the wrong road. You know, every guy should be raising their hand. Uh, you take, go down the wrong road. I mean, I've been there before. 
I've been there before. Uh, but this is not about a destination. This is really about a diagnosis. It's not like you're in your car going down the wrong road and you're like, okay, I think I'm lost. No, what this passage is about, you're in your car going down the wrong road and you don't have a steering wheel. That's what this lost means. You're moving, you're driving down, and you don't have a steering wheel. Have you ever seen someone spiritually in this state? And they turn to drugs, and they turn to other things, and other pleasures, and other vices, and, and they say things that are foolish, and, and you, you can't believe the things that come out of their mouth, and it sounds so uncharacteristic, and you know they're listening to the wrong person, and, and you're like, wow, you're, 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 you're going down the wrong road, and you don't have a steering wheel either. And Jesus is saying, nothing is worth more than your soul. Uh, just turn to the person next to you and just tell them, it's not worth it. Can you do that? It's not worth it. He is not worth it. Mm. She is not worth it. That is not worth it. You hear that? You just fill in the blank. It's not worth it. And you think one of the lies of the devil is just a little bit. You have that pleasure behind it. And just a little bit is okay. Just a little bit. Just, I mean, just checking out that reel, just a little bit. Checking out that site, just a little bit. Just listening to that, just a little bit. Just hanging out, just flirting, just a little, whatever it is. Just a little bit, it's not a big deal. Lie from the devil. You're allowing some things to get into your stream. And you should be the keeper and protector of your stream. You should declare war on anything that will pollute your stream. And the life of the devil is, you know what? You don't need it. You don't need that. It's just a little bit's okay. Just a little bit. And Jesus is saying, nothing is worth more than your soul. Nothing is worth more than your soul. And uh, the invitation is, he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. Literally means work to exhaustion. That's what it literally means. It means a beating, a weariness. It means to bear and to carry. That's what it means. And if that's where you're at, that's what he's saying. And he says, instead, you'll find rest for your soul. And this is more than being in a hammock. <laughs> That's all good. But it's spiritual refreshment. It's spiritual refreshment. And it's not only taking the weight off of your shoulders, although that's a great thing. When we go on, uh, when we go on a vacation, um, like I'm the burrow. I'm just telling you. I have a back on me. I mean, a backpack on my back. Anybody know that when you go on a hike? I mean, you're the one carrying the backpack. And my Grace, she's not carrying anything. I'm just telling you. She's not carrying anything. And I'm like, you want me to carry your water bottle too, baby? <laughs> like, I'm carrying it all on my back. And I'm good. And it's heavy. And every once in a while, I'll, I'll give it. I'll give it to someone. Hey, you carry this for And when I take it off, I'm like, wow, this is how you feel all the time? This is amazing. This is amazing, you know, 10,000 steps with this, you know, you know, I just feel like a horse, like, you know, everywhere I go. And, and my wife, I do it because I love her. 
Man, you know what I'm talking about, right? I do it because I love her. And she doesn't know the weight I carry for her, the physical weight. She's not here right now, so I can say anything I want. I'm just saying, right? <laughs> now, no, I know you guys love her more than you love me, and I'm good for that. I got to be careful. Um, but I do it because I love her. And I think when I look at this passage, I think that's exactly what Jesus does. He carries the weight for us. And he says, you don't have to worry about the future. You don't have to have anxiety. You don't have to be stressed. You don't have to worry about not having enough. You don't have to worry about what might happen. You don't have to worry about if you were to let, be let go because God is the one who's taking care of your career, not your boss. You don't have to worry about your health because God's going to take care of you. But the other side of this word rest, you know what it means? It's to cease from chasing after things that don't bring you satisfaction. So it's not only a carrying, lifting up, but it's also to cease from going after things that don't bring you deep satisfaction. And, and many times in life we chase after stuff, don't we? More money, her, him, whatever it is, we chase after stuff. And this scripture, this promise is, I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to take that backpack from you and I'm going to put it on after Jesus. But he also says, you're no longer going to be chasing after stuff or things anymore. And when I think about this, you know what I think about rest from? What about rest from wanting Never being satisfied. Never being content. What about rest from hating? I'm no longer going to carry a grudge anymore. I'm no longer going to be resentful. I'm no longer going to let that memory live in my head. What about that? Or what about rest from needing or rest from comparing or rest from fighting? Rest from arguing. Some of you need that in your home because your home is full of fights and arguments and petty things. And you want peace. You start by taking care of your soul. You start by taking care of your soul. And they will know it in the bedroom. They'll know it in the kitchen. They'll know it in the living room. You start by taking care of your soul and you say, God, I just, Jesus, I just need you to take out the muck out of my stream. You start there. And people you work with will be like, so what's up with you? You're different. I'm taking care of my soul, brother. You just don't know. I'm taking care of my soul. Here's the problem with the soul. The soul was not made to run on empty, but the soul doesn't come with a gauge. It's not like there's that one gauge in our cars that we all look at frequently, right? How much? Gas do I have? <laughs> How many times do you look at that gauge? Because you don't want to be stranded, right? We spend a lot of time. And some of you are like, when it gets to half a tank, you're going to put in gas. You know, you just don't want, you know, some of you are like that, right? But the soul doesn't have a gauge. But we can see when you're running on empty, right? The way you respond, that edge that you have. Your lack of patience. You know, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, self-control, love, 
fruits of the Spirit, goodness, all those things. And, and you can tell whether someone is, their soul is being taken care of by the way they live their life. Things seem to bother you. You favor short-term goals. You don't want to commit to anything. You're more concerned about yourself. You're not as loving. All of those things. Your judgment is suffering. You make decisions in your life that are not God-honoring. That's all a sign that your soul is getting close to empty and you haven't filled it up. Some of you have neglected your soul. It's not about your work. It's not about the marriage. It's not about him. It's not about her. It's not about the preacher. It's not about the church. It's not about the boss. It's about your soul. And you got to come to grips with that. You got to come to grips with that and say, okay, Lord, I want you to do whatever you want inside of my whole and of my soul. And it's a willingness. It's a willingness saying, God, I just surrender to you. And I need you to clean out my soul. I want to have a clean stream. There's a difference between busy and hurried. Busy is a full schedule. You know, maybe you're clocking in 40 or 60 hours a week. And you're just blowing and going. Candle burning on both ends. And you're busy. I get it. Some of you are like, I don't have time to eat lunch because I'm just going and going and going. And that's just your life. You know, I was talking to someone last night, and they have, like, a full-time job, and, you know, they manage franchises as well on the side. It's just like, man, dude, you are busy. <laughs> they manage three franchises, and, and, and they have a full-time job. I'm like, that's, that's a busy life right there. That's a busy life. But when you're busy, God has a way of speaking to you and saying, you need me. You know what I'm saying? It's this awareness of, you know what, I'm busy. And if you're listening to God, God will tell you, you need to spend time with me. That's a good thing. That's a really good thing. In your busyness, um, spend time with the Lord. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being busy as long as you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's, that's what's important. But it, it, here's what happens. Here's the danger. A hurried life is a preoccupied life. A preoccupied there's worry in that hurried life. Your soul is anxious and worried. And the hurried life does not have room for God because you're too busy. Does that make sense? Someone said it like this. This is John Roper. He said, busyness migrates to hurry when we let it squeeze God out of our lives. That's when it becomes dangerous. That's when busyness migrates to hurry. When God is no longer in our life. And we're focusing on ourselves. We're focusing on our own strength. We're focusing on our own efforts. We build up our efforts. We think highly of ourselves. And we rely on ourselves. That's a dangerous, spiritually dangerous life. Psalm chapter 23, famous, famous psalm. I can't tell you how many times I've read this in memorial services and gravesides. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Words of King David. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Mm. He restores my soul. 
He restores my soul. Verse 3 says, He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That word restore, it's a spiritual word. Spiritual word. It literally means brings me to repentance. That's what that word restore there means. He's talking about our chief shepherd. Our chief shepherd recognizes. Have you ever been around sheep, goats, that kind of thing? We're going to be around in Israel. I'm so excited. That's one of the things we're going to be doing. But it, it, it's it's a when you recognize a, a sheep is wandering, you know you got to, you know, Jesus talked about leaving the 99, right? And and you go and you bring him back and, and and you put it on your shoulders and all that stuff. But but in all that, the message is bringing you back to repentance. That means a spiritual decision, an about face, a new direction, a change of heart. And some of you, the way you need to be restored is you need to repent of your sins and you need to turn to God. That's true bone deep, soul deep restoration right there. When you turn from your sins and you say, man, I've been making the wrong decisions. My heart has been in the wrong place and I've been living for myself and I'm not living for God and I've turned away from God and it's been too long since I've heard from God and I know he exists and I've done things that I shouldn't have done and I have sin in my life and I'm going to turn to him right now. That right there is the beginning of a new day for you. And you say, Jesus, I'm yours now. I'm yours. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm coming back home. I'm coming back home. I'm coming back home. And Jesus is saying he wants to restore you. That right there, baby, is any vacation, any better than any vacation you can ever take. You know what's ultimate? When you've been restored and your soul is at a good place, then you're at the beach. That's a whole different vacation right there. That's a whole different vacation. But I'll tell you what, I'm just going to be honest with you. I feel like I'm on a vacation every time I come to church at Thorn Creek every weekend. As you hear the word of God and you turn to him and you say, Lord, clean out my stream. Do your thing inside of me. And during the week, everybody enjoys the benefit of you attending church on the weekend. You ever thought about that? Everybody enjoys the benefit of you attending church on the weekend because you spent time with the Lord. You heard God's word. You received God's word. You worshiped your living God. You spent time on your soul. And during the week, everybody is enjoying that beautiful stream that's going down the river. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The Lord told the Israelites early on, he says, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to who? The Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock and your foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. It's the Sabbath for you. Maybe it is Sunday. That's the seventh day. We have other people who come to church on Saturdays. That's kind of their Sabbath. For me, um, I, I love Sundays. I'm honored to bring God's word. 
but my Sabbath, so to speak, is Thursdays. That's when I try to just unplug a bit and think and reminisce and pray and all that stuff. That's what I do. But I want you to hear this. The Sabbath is not about you. It's about you being dedicated to your God. It's about God. It's about spending time with God. It's about spending time with God. That's what it's about. Spiritually saying, all right, God, I need you to help me clean out my, my stream, clean out that river. I need you to help me clean out this water. Do whatever you want. If there's anything inside of me that's offensive, if there's anything inside of me that is not pleasing to you, if there's anything inside of me that has a stench, I want to I want to be a living sacrifice to you. I want to I, I want you to enjoy the fragrance of my life. I want you to find me delightful. I, I want you to look at me and see that I'm blameless before you, God. I want to live in your grace. I want to live in your mercy, and I want to please you with every part of my life, God. You got to have that passion behind you to let God work on your soul. You got to have that passion. And you do that, and God is faithful and just. He's, he's, he's faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness and to forgive you for all of your sins. But he will bring to pass the good work that he has started inside of you. He will bring to pass the good work that he has started inside of you. He will do it. He is faithful and true. He will not let you down. He has a purpose for your life. And all you have to do is say, God, I'll take it. I, I just choose you. You're big enough to handle my problems. You're big enough to handle my worries. You're big enough to handle everything that's happening in my life. I feel like preaching now, guys. I'm just sad. <laughs> I better stop, guys. We have to come back next week. I want to pray for you. If you're far from Jesus, this is your opportunity to turn to Jesus and become a Christian. Or maybe you consider yourself a Christian, but you really haven't been taking care of your soul like you should. And maybe the Lord is speaking to you about cleaning out that stream on top of that mountain. God, thank you for your mercy and your grace. You're so good. Oh, Jesus, you're so faithful. During the highs and lows of life, during the tough times, you've always been there. And you're so patient with us, even, even when we just simply don't deserve it, God. You've given us two, three, four thousand chances. Thank you, God. You're God of new beginnings. And if you're ready to receive Jesus, would you say this? Say, Jesus, I invite you to be my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. I confess you with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe with my heart that you are the risen Lord Jesus. I turn from my sins. And I ask you to get behind that steering wheel of my life. And right now, I choose to follow you, Jesus. I choose to follow you. Others of you maybe need to say this. Jesus, I need you to work on my soul right now. I need to do a better job taking care of that, that stream. I want you to help me to clean, clean out this stream, God. Anything anything that needs to be cleaned out, God, I need you to clean it out. Clean out my soul right now. Touch my soul right now. Touch my soul right now, God. Sanctify my soul. Set it apart. Do it right now, Lord. 
Show me what needs to come out of it, and I'll turn from it. Show me what I need to do to get right, and I'll get right. I'll make the decisions you want me to make. I'll get rid of what you want me to get rid of. I'll let go of what you want me to let go of. I'll repent of what you want me to repent. Right now, just expose it to me, God. Bring it to the surface, and I'm going to take it out of the stream right now. And I pray, Lord, that those people who are downstream, that they enjoy the benefit of this prayer. That they enjoy the consequence, the spiritual consequence of this prayer. So God, have your way in my life. I choose to love you with all of my heart, all of my